All right, today is the uh, last Sunday of a series called Generations, Experiencing the Goodness of God in All Seasons of Life, or Every Season of Life, as Tim very clearly and helpfully explained. And um, I wanted to show you this piece of art that you all have been putting together over the last couple of weeks. This turned out really beautifully. Big thanks to Samantha Bradley for brokering this project. So this is really cool. In case you've missed it, um, this space on... This is a celebration of the multi-generational nature of our community. Um, the, the space was separated with the young folks making a mark down low, the older folks in the middle, the older folks on the top, and my favorite part of the whole piece, can you hold that? Somebody was like, oh, wait, here we go. I'm right there. I'm right there. Oh, we got one on the back. That's right. I'm not sure what that means, but we're, we're all over it. So this is beautiful. We're going to hang this upstairs outside of the kids' classrooms because we want them to know that they're growing up in a community where there's people all over the place uh, who, like Tim said, can come alongside and support. And then also, hopefully, parents go up there and they see the kids. This is a critical part of this whole mosaic of this community where we're uh, coming together. Different parts. Thank you, Rich. Uh, different seasons of life to share life and discover Jesus together. And then together, we're able to do a better job in uh, joining in Christ's mission to restore all things. All right, so I am so excited for today's message. Um, when we had the idea for this generation series in March, I knew we wanted to end here, and I knew I couldn't be the one to preach this sermon because I'm just not old enough, all right? That's just the, the, the fact of the matter. Someday I'll be ready to preach this sermon. Um, but I want to introduce you uh, to someone who's uh, going to join us today on the platform. Come on up, Dave. This is David White. He and his wife, Sandy, have been with us for a couple of years now. They have served in the Philippines since 1986. Yes? Welcome. And uh, Dave and Sandy train church planters and train trainers of church planters in the Philippines. They returned to the States in 2017 uh, in part to care for Sandy's parents, our beloved friends Bill and Mary Ferris, who both passed away within a couple months of each other in 2017. Um, and they've been here since then. In the last year, both of your kids have gotten married, so you've been able to be here and be a part of that, which is a blessing. And, um, and we're so grateful that you're here to share this word with us, David. Thank you. God bless you as you preach to us. Thanks. Thank you, Nate. Good morning, everyone. I guess I'm old enough for this message, I guess. <laughs> Something new for me, but uh, we'll give it a try, and I'm ready for it. So we're enjoying the series, Generations, Experiencing the Goodness of God in Every Season of Life. So let's begin this morning by, first of all, identifying what season of life do you feel you are a part of? Okay, so which season of life do you consider yourself to be a part of? Children, teen, young adult, early middle adults, or older adults? Now, notice there's no ages given. So it's up to you. <laughs> so which season of life do you consider yourself to be a part of? So identify yourself, and please share that with the person next to you. I'm a part of what season of life? Okay. 
Okay, very good. You're very enthusiastic. Let's go right to the next thing I'd like you to share. You've identified your generation or your season of life. What do you like about your season of life? Please share that now. Okay, thank you. Thank you for sharing. Well, I'm glad to see everyone has something they like about their season of life, and it looks like you have a lot of things that you like. Well, I like my season of life. As Nate said, I'm a part of the older generation, so to make it clear, I'm 64, so I guess I fit now. <laughs> barely made it, just barely. <laughs> So I guess I consider myself part of that group now. And as, at, that, at this age, all my friends keep asking me, Dave, when are you guys going to retire? So, you know, a lot of my friends are retired already. They retired at 62, 60, some at 55. A few are still working, but they keep asking me, Dave, when are you going to retire? And here's what I say every time. I have no plans to retire in the near future. No plans. And here's why. As we serve as missionaries in the Philippines, the main thing we do is try to, complete, try to fulfill the command of Jesus when he said in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And so this is what we've been doing in our ministry since we arrived in the Philippines in 1986. And we have been back in the U.S. since 2017. Not because we wanted to retire from what we were doing, but because my wife was diagnosed with cancer in 2017. I wish I could have her stand up, but she's controlling the slides back there. So she was diagnosed with cancer at that time. We came back to the U.S. And since then, in 2017, we've continued what we're doing in our ministry, working remotely. And I've been happy being able to accomplish a lot remotely and traveling back to the Philippines every quarter for one month. And so I miss my wife very much during that month. And so we've been looking forward to her healing and returning to the Philippines full time. We've been, uh, she's been treated She's been treated for this last two and a half years. We've been praying, and the Lord answered our prayers greatly in the last week or so. Her cancer scores are way down. <laughs> and this past week, the doctor gave us the go signal that we can return. <laughs> so we're looking to return in February next year. So we've enjoyed these two and a half years here at Emmaus very much. We've enjoyed making friends, and we will represent you 
as we return and continue on with uh, making disciples of all nations. So here's how we do it. Everything we do is focused on this, making disciples, starting with unbelievers, leading them to assurance of salvation, helping them to become obedient followers of Christ. And we do that by starting what we call outreach Bible studies. In outreach Bible studies, we gather a group of unbelievers and teach the Bible to them. We have a series of lessons that teaches the gospel and teaches them the way of salvation. Here in the U.S., we have lots of Bible studies, but usually it's for believers, for church members. In the Philippines, we also have that, but we also have lots of these outreach Bible studies, Bible studies for unbelievers. And in sharing the word of God with unbelievers, we share the gospel, and by going through a series of lessons, by the end, almost all of them have assurance of salvation. They put their faith in Christ, and they become believers. And it's very fruitful, and it's very effective. Filipinos are interested in the Bible. It's pretty easy to gather a group of unbelievers. So we have lots and lots of these outreach Bible studies. After we have outreach Bible studies, then we do what Jesus said, baptizing them. And so the new believers, we will baptize them, and we have baptisms in the ocean for new believers. We have baptisms in the river. And we have baptisms in swimming pool. Anywhere we can. We don't have any of those. We have baptisms in a drum. <laughs> and if none of those are available, last resort, which I have, I try to encourage everyone to have a kiddie pool. <laughs> and we can always do the baptism there just about anywhere, anytime. And so we have lots of baptisms, lots of new believers. And so then the baptized new believers, we gather together to form churches, new churches formed with new believers. And so as they're part of a new church, then it's there that they can, we can teach them to obey everything that Jesus commanded us. So that's what we do. So we gather lots of these new churches. These new churches don't look like Emmaus. They look like this. And so we have churches anywhere we can meet. Filipinos are very responsive to the gospel, and there are many opportunities to start new churches, but Filipinos are not quite financially capable of building nice church buildings very quickly. They can, and we have those too, but it's slow that way. It takes many years for them to get enough money to put up a very simple building. And so instead of waiting for that, when we have all these new believers ready to be a part of a church, we just meet anywhere, in a home, uh, under a shade, under the mango tree, anywhere, anywhere we can meet. And so in doing this, we see lots and lots of fruit, lots of new believers, lots of new churches planted, and lots of fulfillment of the Great Commission when Jesus said, make disciples of all nations. Well, because there's such a great opportunity to do this, Sandy and I do this, but we can only do so much. We, we can be busy all the time doing this and just not even scratch the surface of the potential fruit that is there. And so in addition to doing church planting ourselves like this, we train others 
we train others to do church planting. And by training others, we can see a lot more happening. And so we have trainings like this. We'll gather groups of church leaders. Usually, this is a typical training. Leaders from around maybe 15 churches, a few members per church, maybe 100 people. And we meet once a month for one year, teaching them to do what I just showed you. Lead outreach Bible studies, lead people to assurance of salvation, baptize new believers, form them into new churches. And so uh, in training others, that's what they do. So they will lead outreach Bible studies, they'll baptize, and then they will start new churches also. And so by doing this, a lot more gets done. So it's not just us that are doing it, but all of the trainees are out there doing it all at the same time. And they're all bearing, almost all of them are bearing great fruit. On the average, from one of our trainings, we usually have about 15 churches will come together. And they will plant, usually on the average, about 25 new churches at the end of 10 months. And there will be about 500 new believers in churches as a result of the training. From one training. And so there are many going on from those that, uh, fr from each training. Uh, some don't produce this much fruit. Some produce more. And some produce a lot more. But on the average, something like this. So that's what we do. Trainings so that others can go out and be disciple makers. But we can only do, Sandy and I, so many of these trainings, about the most I can do, we can do is about three in a year because it's once a month for 10 months. So because the opportunity is great and Filipinos are responsive to the gospel and much fruit can be produced, we not only train others, but we train the trainers. We train trainers. So we find the cream of the crop from those who have been trained and the best pastors and the best implementers, those who have borne the most fruit and are the most enthusiastic about it, and then we'll take them aside and train them so that they can then lead trainings like we talked about. And then we can see much more fruit in this way. So right now, we have about 100 of these trainers and so they're out now, as we stand here, as we sit here, they're out in the Philippines, all over, north to south, leading these trainings, a hundred of them, and you see the average result. And so if you do the arithmetic, the fruit is very great, very abundant, massive fruit. So it's very encouraging and a great joy to be a part of. The response to the gospel has been very good in the Philippines for many years now. Here's a brief look of the great response, the great fruit we've seen the Lord has provided over many years. As far as the number of churches in the Philippines, in 1974, there were about 5,000 churches in the whole country. Through massive church planting, training of church planters, when we got to the year 2000, we had... 51,000 
300 churches. Tremendous fruit. And currently, this year, we now have 76,000 churches in the country. As far as the percentage of, popula of the population that is now born-again believers, in 1974, the whole Philippines had only about 1.8% born-again believers. When we got to the year 2000, the percentage came to 8.9%. And now currently, we now have 11.8% of the population are born again. Long ways to go, but a lot of fruit. If you just look at the sheer number, the number of believers in the country, in 1974, there were 600,000 believers in the country. When we got to the year 2000, we had 7.2 million. Million. And currently, we have 12.3 million. Million. Tremendous fruit. Tremendous fruit. Now, this is the effort of the whole body of Christ in the Philippines. And we have a small part in, in contributing to that. And it gets more fruitful every year. More fruitful every year. Every year I say, Sandy, the fruit has been so great. It's even better this year than last year. And I say that every year. <laughs> and I know next year will be better than this year. It just gets more and more fruitful. Now, my friends ask me, Dave, when are you going to retire? <laughs> retire? <laughs> and walk away from this? No way. No way. It's too fruitful. It's too great. And there's much to be done, and we can have a part. So we have no plans, no plans to retire any time in the near future. Thank you. <laughs> and that's how I answer that question. So no one will ask me now, you all know. <laughs> but you know, it's not only for us in our ministry in the Philippines, that we become more and more fruitful as time goes on. It's all of us. It's all of us. Every one of us becomes potentially more and more fruitful as time goes on. Whatever your stage of life, you are potentially more fruitful this year than you were last year. And you'll be more fruitful next year than you are this year. So let's think about it. Why does fruit bearing our fruit-bearing potential continue to increase? Now, at first, it, it doesn't seem to make sense. But think about it for just a minute. I just take a minute and think about this, and then I'm going to ask for your ideas. Think about it for a, a half a minute, and it'll start coming to you. Okay, take 30 seconds. Think about it. Why does our fruit-bearing potential 
increase as we grow older. Think, please. Just think. Okay, I see the ideas coming. <clears throat> I like the way Nate does this once in a while. Let's just hear anyone just shout it out. What are just shout it out? What are some reasons why we become potentially more fruitful? Yes, Josh. Oh yes, your fruit produces fruit. So many of you have fruit that will produce fruit and they will produce fruit. Okay, why else? Oh, yes, our faith grows. Faith is a big part of fruit producing. And as we grow in the Lord, our faith grows and our potential to bear fruit increases. Yes, thank you. Wisdom grows. Wisdom grows, yes. As we grow, we grow in wisdom. And with more wisdom, we bear more fruit. Here, just one more. Learn from? Oh, yes, learn from my mistakes. <laughs> yes, I've learned many things, made many mistakes. <laughs> yeah, we learn from our mistakes. And many, many more reasons. Let me just share a couple. Another reason that we become potentially more fruitful as we grow older is wisdom. We heard that. The Word of God tells us in Proverbs chapter 4 acquire wisdom. And we do. We do. Every year, we acquire wisdom. Some of us, just a little. <laughs> some of us, a lot. But I think all of us, we acquire at least some wisdom from year to year. So with greater wisdom, greater fruit-bearing potential. Another reason is we grow in holiness. First Peter says, like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. You shall be holy as I am holy. Every year. We grow, at least some, in our holiness. As we become more holy, we become more fruitful. Another reason is we grow in grace and knowledge. 2 Peter 3.18 says, Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, grace has many meanings, many. One meaning of grace is, Divine enablement. It's divine enablement. And so the word of God tells us to grow in grace. And the Lord does help us to grow in grace. As we continue, we get more and more divine enablement. And we potentially bear more fruit. So grow in grace and knowledge. We're always continuing to grow in knowledge. In many areas, let's just focus on our spiritual knowledge. You know, we read Christian books, we grow in knowledge. We go to a Bible study, we grow in knowledge. We listen to a Christian podcast, we grow in knowledge. Go to a seminar. And best of all, we listen to a great sermon from Nate every week. <laughs> and we grow in knowledge. So we're continuing to grow in knowledge. And as we do, of course, we become potentially more fruitful. And the list goes on, goes on. 
many, many more ways. We could take the whole time to list many, many ways why potentially we become more and more fruitful. Whatever stage of life we're at. More now than a month or a year ago. Does that make sense? Yeah. Last month, I celebrated my 64th birthday, and I received a book as a gift. The book is... <laughs> yes, it was a joke. <laughs> so the book, I unwrapped it, The Joys of Getting Older. So, you know, I was a good sport. <laughs> I looked at the cover, and I said, okay, that fits. I guess this is appropriate for me. Okay, I'm up for it. Bring it on. Okay, joys of getting older. It's okay with me. And then I open to the first page in the book, and here's what it says. <laughs> and then I open to the second page of the book, and I open to every page of the book. <laughs> and the whole book was blank except the cover, front and back. <laughs> so we all laughed. And I laughed like you did, you know. I was a good sport. <laughs> I laughed. But you know what I said to myself? It's not true. It's not true. I didn't say it out loud. <laughs> I only said it to myself. And I said it many times to myself over and over. It's not true. There are many joys of getting older. Many. Yes, yes. <laughs> and one of the great joys, one of the great joys of getting older is we become more fruitful for many reasons. And so as we move through the seasons of life, we become more and more fruitful, potentially. And that is a joy of getting older. Yeah. So going back to our graph, as we look at the graph and see that as time goes on, I forgot to explain this. So as time goes on, we get more and more fruitful. Ups and downs, but basically, basically, most of us, if not all, probably everyone here, time goes on, we get more and more fruitful. Now, the graph here, it does not describe our physical strength. That peaked a long time ago. <laughs> and it's been going down for many years now. For many years. So this is not talking about our physical strength. It's talking about our spiritual strength. Our spiritual strength. Physically, going down. Spiritually, getting stronger. Getting stronger every day. Stronger and stronger. And the Word of God tells us this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, says, therefore, we do not lose heart, though the outer man is decaying, the inner man is being renewed day by day. 
Therefore, do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. So the outer man is getting older, getting weaker. Kind of a gross word, decaying. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> so the outer, <clears throat> the outer man is, let's say, getting weaker, getting older. But the inner man, the inner man, the word of God says, is being renewed day by day, getting stronger in many ways and potentially more fruitful. And so we serve the Lord mainly in our spiritual strength, mainly. Yeah, it takes a little bit of physical strength, a little bit. Use our physical strength a little bit. But it's mainly in our spiritual strength that we serve. The Bible says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. It's not by might. It's not by our physical strength. We do have to get up and walk around and move around. For most ministries, not all. So even though our physical strength may be getting weaker, we can serve the Lord in greater and greater ways. Because spiritually, we're being renewed day by day. And so I know for some of us, we're there and some of us will get there, that our physical strength, not much left. Not much. If that's the case, as we've done our whole lives, we present our bodies, a living sacrifice acceptable to God, and say, Lord... Here I am, the little strength that I have. Take me, Lord. Use me for your glory. And the Lord will use our great spiritual strength, though our physical strength may be small. And some, maybe you've gotten to the stage where the only ministry you can, I shouldn't say only, the only ministry you can do is prayer. And that's, this might be your most fruitful years ever in prayer. Did you know that the Bible says we will bear fruit in old age? There's a verse in the Bible that says it straight out. You've got to believe me. <laughs> yeah, take a look. In Psalm chapter 92, it says the righteous man will flourish like the palm tree they will still yield, yield fruit in old age. <laughs> they will be full of sap and very green. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In old age. How can that be? Well, now we know why. We know why. Yeah, we get stronger and stronger. So, retirement, older adults. As we come to retirement, and we're going to come to everyone back in a minute, but older adults, as we come to retirement, this is the greatest opportunity of our lives to bear the most fruit ever. The greatest. Why? We have more time than we used to have because we don't have to go to work 40 hours a week or more. We have more time. I know we have a lot more doctor's appointments and a lot more time spent on things like that. 
but usually it's not 40 hours a week. So we have a lot more time than we used to have. And we have more spiritual strength than we've ever had. And so we have the potential to bear more fruit than we ever have. And as we move into our older years, may they be the most fruitful and the most joyful in all of our lives. I remember when I was a kid, there was a commercial on TV. Some of you might remember it. I was just a kid, but I still remember it. Maybe I was a teenager also. It was for Miller Beer, and I'm not trying to promote Miller Beer. <laughs> but uh, there are a group of cowboys, and they're out rustling the cattle. And then after their hard day's work, they came back to the campfire. They're all dirty, sweaty, and their work was done. And one of them grabs a Miller beer, pops it open, and the cowboy says, it's Miller time. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone remember that commercial? <laughs> it was a really long time ago, really long. I don't know why it's, it's stuck in my mind. The Lord brought it back to my mind this week. <laughs> so they say, it's Miller time. What does he mean by that? He means, I've worked hard all day. My work is done. And now this time, it's all mine. And that's the view many people have of retirement, even many Christians. I've worked hard. I've earned. I've saved. I've put my kids through college. Now I'm retired. Now it's Miller time. <laughs> now it's all mine. I'll do what I want. I think it's a very selfish view. Very selfish. There's a big world out there with a lot of needs and they're waiting for us. And we can do much. So I think it's very selfish and it's very temporal. It's very temporal. You know, I've Worked this many years, I got this many years left, I'm going to enjoy them. Do what I want. But you know, I think we need to have a, an eternal perspective, not a temporal. We have, I won't say a few, a couple decades left, speak in terms of decades. We have time left. In this time we have left, let's use it the best we can to count for all eternity. Yeah. So I think that's the world's view of retirement. And unfortunately, the view of some Christians, not here at Emmaus, at other churches. <laughs> but what's God's view of retirement? What's God's view? What does the Word of God have to say as guidelines? What are God's guidelines for our retirement? 
Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God. All our lives we've been following 633, Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God. Well, retirement still. Still in retirement. Seek first the kingdom of God. How can I use my retirement to best strengthen and grow and contribute to the kingdom of God? Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. It says, if then you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. Yeah, so in retirement, keep seeking the things above. Set your mind on the things above. So we use our retirement for that, not for the things that are on earth. Then Colossians chapter 1. Speaking of Jesus, says he is head of he is also head of the church. Speaking of Jesus, he is the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. Jesus is head of the church, so that he might have first place in everything. Everything covers retirement. Jesus. You are first in my retirement. How can I best live for you, Jesus, in my years of retirement? Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 and 20 says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break in or steal. And so we can use our retirement to store up trinkets from around the world or treasures in heaven. Treasures in heaven. Those are God's guidelines for retirement. So if you'd like to be, to be serving, there are many ways you can serve here at Emmaus. Many of you are serving already. If you'd like to serve in an additional way, or if you'd like to begin serving at Emmaus, please take this out now, your sermon notes, and on the back, there are 10 ways you can serve here at Emmaus. Just mention a couple. One way is you can, uh, I had one marked. There it is. One way you can serve, number two, you can care for babies in the Sunday or nursery. Care for babies in, on Sundays in the nursery. If you're retired, you've had experience raising your babies, maybe raising your grandbabies, and maybe you're now helping with your great-grandbabies. You've had lots of experience. You can help with the babies here at Emmaus. Another way you can serve, uh, number seven, you can invite new or newer people to share lunch after church. Look around, someone's new or kind of new, Get to know them. Invite them out to lunch after church. Wow, what a cushy ministry that is. <laughs> Who likes to eat out? Everybody. <laughs> Pick a place you like. And uh, that's the out to lunch ministry. <laughs> it's a good one. <laughs> Another thing you can do, number four, is serve on our prayer team. Maybe your strength is very little. You can pray. And maybe this will be the greatest, most fruitful ministry you've ever had. 
So if you're interested in serving any of those ways at Emmaus or other ways you might be wanting to inquire about, you can see Angela Henning or Rich Lester, and their information is on the sermon, uh, sermon notes. So how can we all get to the point where we're at the point of potentially bearing great, great fruit? How can we get to the stage, the season of life of older adulthood when we're ready for the most fruitful and most impactful season of our life? How do we get there? This is for everybody now. It doesn't just happen automatically. It doesn't just, you don't get there by having a specific number of birthdays. <laughs> it happens by a lifetime of faithfulness. It's through a lifetime of faithfulness. As we serve for a lifetime, growing, then we get towards the end and we're ready for maximum fruitfulness. And so as we're involved in serving the Lord, and I know most of you are, whatever way you're serving the Lord, serve faithfully. As you serve faithfully, the Lord will expand your ministry or open a new opportunity for greater fruitfulness. After you've proven faithful, he was faithful in little, will be faithful in much. He was unfaithful in little, will be unfaithful in much. So we must prove faithful in the ministry that the Lord has entrusted to us. And when we've proven faithful, the Lord will open the door for expanded opportunities or new opportunities for greater fruitfulness. And when the Lord does, it, we will need to adjust our lives. Adjust. And we will need to obey. And we will need to sacrifice in new ways new opportunities for greater fruitfulness will call for greater sacrifice. But as we do, as we serve faithfully, as the Lord open, opens the opportunity, we adjust, we obey, and we sacrifice. We move into opportunities to bear greater fruit. And that's how we move from one step to another. And so whatever stage of life you're in, serve faithfully. Serve faithfully. Be looking for the next opportunity and take the next step. And when you get towards the end, you'll be up at the top of the ladder enjoying maximum fruitfulness through a lifetime of faithfulness. I learned this by reading the book Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. If you'd like to learn more about this, he describes it really well in this book. I think you might enjoy it. So which one of these ways best describes, which one of these statements best describes you now in your season of life in your serving? First, not serving. If you're not serving, God's word to you is, Start serving. Start serving. You can start with any of these 10 or others. Maybe that's you. Or maybe the second one is you. 
serving, but not very faithfully. If that's you, serving, but not very faithfully, God's word to you is, serve more faithfully. Serve more faithfully. <laughs> or maybe the third one is you, and I trust that many of you. The third is, serving faithfully. I know many of you are. For those of you who are serving faithfully, I think God's word to you is, keep serving faithfully and watch for the, next, the new opportunity, the expanded or new opportunity that the Lord will bring your way. It might be in a month or a year or 12 years. Just be on the lookout for when the Lord is doing something that it's time for you to be a part of. So which one of these best describes you? Please take 30 seconds and think about it. Just relax. I won't ask you to share it with the person next to you. It's just for you. So just take time now. Just think about it. <clears throat> Identify yourself and the action the Lord would have for you. Thank you for thinking. One way that all of us can serve the Lord and should, all of us should be involved in, is prayer for the fulfillment of what Jesus said in Matthew 28, make disciples of all nations. So one thing that everyone can do is we can pray for that fulfillment and we can pray for missionaries. And we have a prayer letter that we send out. We would invite you to sign up. We send this out every month with things that, we, that can be prayed for. And uh, we have other occasional emails that we send out. We would invite all of you. We've enjoyed being here in Emmaus so much, and we would love to have everyone, if possible. We can, can, we'd like to stay in touch with you, let you know what's happening in the field, and I think we'll be sending you good reports that will be encouraging, prayer items that you can help participate for bearing great fruit. We have many people that pray for us, and I think that's one of the huge reasons the Lord has blessed us with much fruit. And with more prayer, there will be more fruit. Definitely. Definitely. More prayer. It will lead to even more fruit. For sure. So we invite you to sign up. We have a sign-up sheet at the table here. And there's one at the coffee beans that have been moved outside there. And there's one by the water, and there's one in the bookstore. So they're in four places. So please find it, and please uh, sign up. And we'd love to send you, love to send you our prayer information. If you sign up, prayer information will be coming soon. Check your junk mail, because the first one often goes there. So just be on the alert for that. We also, next to the sign-up sheet, we have a magnet, a picture of our family. We invite you to take one of these and put it someplace, probably your refrigerator, because you go there a lot, and you'll be reminded to pray for us. And we have 
bookmarks. We invite you to take one or more of these as to use as a prayer reminder. So that's one thing in any season of life that all of us can be involved in, in helping take the gospel around the world and make disciples of all nations through prayer, lots of prayer. Apostle Paul made a tremendous statement toward the end of his life. He said, the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I finished the course. When he says, the time of my departure has come, he means it's ready to die. It's ready to depart from this world. He says, I'm ready to die. I fought the good fight. It's a tremendous statement. I've finished the course. He's saying, I've done it all. Done it all. Everything the Lord had for me. I've done it all. I'm ready to go. Nothing more for me to do. So I trust that each one of us, whatever our season of life, we will be working towards that. And whatever the Lord has entrusted unto you now, that you will be faithful and that you'll move on through every season of life, continually faithful. And one day, you'll come to the end and say, Lord, I'm ready. I've done it all. Nothing more for me to do. Take me, Lord. I've finished the course. May that be true for each one of us. Let's just conclude by sharing with one another an uh, answer to this question. Whatever your stage of life, how has God used today's message to shape your perspective of growing older? So whatever your stage of life, how has God used today's message to shape your perspective of growing older? Could you please share that with someone near to you? If possible, share it with someone from a different stage of life if possible, like our, okay, just take a minute, please, and how has God used today's message to shape your perspective growing older? <laughs>